Hi everyone and welcome to the Don't Wait Up podcast. If you're new here, we're going to start in our usual way with a breathing exercise, but if you'd like to jump straight into the interview then you can skip ahead to 5 minutes 30. If you're sticking around, we hope you enjoy the following meditation brought to you by our very own Karen. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope you enjoy. Welcome to this Don't Wait Up meditation. I invite you to get comfortable wherever you may be. Close your eyes and take a minute to connect to your breath. We're going to do a cycle of breaths, breathing in for four, out for four. And on the final round, we're going to hold our breath for 15 seconds. If we just follow my flow, breathing in, and release. Breathing in. and release on this third round going to hold our breath at the end of release breathing in and release and hold your breath Taking a breath in, I invite you to place one hand on your heart, one hand on your torso, just connecting to yourself, having a moment to check in with your body. On each inhale, I'd like to invite you to breathe in a colour can be any colour you like that you're drawn to. Mine is currently gold. Breathing in, sending that colour around your skull. And releasing any negativity on your out breath. On the next inhale, sending that breath down your spine. And release. Sending that breath around your shoulder blades and down your arms. Allowing the light to vibrate within you. Sending that breath around the hips. Down your legs to your feet. 
sending that light down your arms and out through your fingers. Feeling good, releasing any thoughts that come your way. Just staying connected to your breath and to the present moment right now. You're feeling relaxed and energized. Positive and powerful. Sending love and energy and gratitude to our body, our mind. Taking one last deep inhale. And release. And when you're ready, I invite you to open your eyes and come back into the room. Hi everyone and welcome to the Don't Wait Up podcast. You're listening to Kanisha and today I have with me the wonderful, the talented Sojourner. How are you? I'm, I'm good. As I said, I'm enjoy not enjoying I'm like on the corona coaster slash whatever coaster we're on right now and like I'm good <laughs> corona coaster corona coaster is real <laughs> that's one way to describe it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um yeah so I met Jenna at identity and uh, I think we're like in an identity bubble like everyone kind of knows everyone from identity so it's like yeah I feel like everyone does or knows someone who knows the, like another person from identity like we're yeah. all somehow in another group and like, I mean, it's great but also it's like it's like you also went there <laughs> yeah like everyone went there like even at drama center there were like five people there who'd gone to identity at some point or other it's so. just a thing yeah i i mean it's great because it's lovely because it means that when you are out in the world you at least know people that you can be like hey we kind of know each other <laughs> Okay, so you have all the fancy new facilities. <laughs> <laughs> Not jealous at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so thank you for joining us today on the podcast. No the first one will start with some quick fire questions and I'm just going to shoot them at you. You come back with whatever comes off the top of your head. Is that cool? Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> okay, so number one. Film, stage, or TV? Stage. Okay. Yeah, I thought you'd say that. <laughs> it's my baby. I love the others, but but theatre is my baby. Stage is home. Stage is home. Number two, last film you cried to? Oh, it was Queen and Slim. Yeah. I bought my eyes out. <laughs> ugly, ugly tears. Like... <laughs> Years. I was in the cinema all on my own because they like re-released it because no one got to see it the first time. And I was just yeah. 
crying. It's like, I was trying to hold it in, you know, you're like... No, it was like an onslaught, because I was like, fine. But it was like, what, at the end, it's like one thing after another, after another, and suddenly you're yeah. like, just pulling your eyes out when you were trying to hold it back. <laughs> just crying into your popcorn. <laughs> you know, which means it's a mark of a great film, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, okay, number three, the song you use to pump you up. It tends to change. Um, sometimes it's like Camilla Cabello, and I'm just like <laughs> waving around and like doing some weird dancing um, to some like one of her upbeat songs. And sometimes I don't, I don't know. It could be literally anyone. Um, what else have I been listening to? Um, oh, there's just so many. There's so many songs that I'm like. Sometimes it's like a musical theatre song, and I'm like, I need to feel. <laughs> right now I'm getting in the mood um <laughs> but like it could it could literally be any it, it might even be like I don't know a throwback to like Nickelback or I might be there dancing single ladies you know like it just depends <laughs> what I'm <laughs> or I'm like listening to Lizzo like yeah waving my hair around <laughs> it's, it's that she really is <laughs> but that's yeah that's the general vibe um there's just there's, there's literally just so many or like what's the song pink pink like the color of your Janelle, Janelle Monet. yeah oh so, yes yeah yeah oh like there's just too many but but it's good to have options so yeah I don't have a go-to because I'm just like oh this one's like this is this is the mood I need to be in now <laughs> I love it Okay, number four is the song you use to like chill you out, calm you down. Chill me out, calm me down. Um, oh, like maybe something like Gold from what's the musical called? Um, once, yeah, musical Once. Oh, I haven't mm -hmm. heard that one. Or, or a bit of Tra Tracy Chapman. It just depends. It depends on. Then again, like Tracy Chapman, it depends on the mood because sometimes, like she can cool me down but sometimes like a song like revolution comes on i'm like yeah we need to put this out and it's like it's <laughs> and the way it's played and the way it's sang it's not like go out and fight it's quite chill but like listening to the lyrics you're like yeah i'm gonna go out and fight i'm gonna somebody <laughs> part of this revolution <laughs> um number five is cheese and wine or beer and crisps Cheese and wine? I'm not like, I don't really have a big one when it comes to that. I'm not really a beer person. I'll occasionally have a beer. Yeah. Um, and I like wine, but I'm not the biggest fan of cheese either. So. I've had this a lot. <laughs> yeah. We can just mix and match. You can. Yeah, mix and match. It just depends on the mood, where, where, where you're at, like if it's boozy Fair. or not. <laughs> okay. Number six is the last book you read. The last book I read. I'm like in the middle of like three books at the moment, but I think the last one I actually read all the way through was The Penelope Pad by Margaret Atwood. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm currently like in the middle of um, it's, it's there's there's two versions, and it's like um, stories of immigrants, and there's the American one, and then there's the British one. So I'm in the middle of the British one at the moment, but I bought both. So I was like, I need to know these stories. Yeah. Uh, 
on the other book that I'm currently reading. It's called it is called Evening Primrose by Kapana Motlawa, I want to say. Um, and yeah, it's about, it's about a doctor um, in South Africa. And it's, it's just interesting to see her story because it was recommended to me. Um, I was doing a writing course and it was recommended to me by someone on the writing course. And it's not something that I would tend to pick for myself, but it's just fascinating. So yeah. You've got a lot of books on the go. <laughs> yeah, I find it. So I'm either like in, in normal life when like none of this Corona stuff is going around. I'm like, I listen to audiobooks on the tube all the time. So I get through things quite quickly. But I've been like, oh, I can actually sit and read a book now. Because there are so many books I've been wanting to read for so long. I'm like, ooh, and this one, ooh, and that one, ooh. And like with everything. Bookshelf staring at you. <laughs> read. <Yeah. laughs> and also I've been reading parts of Sister Outsider as well by Audrey Lord because I'm like, ooh. And I went to Moscow and there's actually a chapter about Moscow in that book. And I'm like, I really should have read this before I went to Moscow. <laughs> so like, I'm just, I feel like, during all of what's going on, my brain has gone between I'm focused on doing like a self tape, I'm focused on writing something, and then I've got like all this outside noise coming yeah. in, and like so it makes me kind of scatty. So I'm like, oh, I'll do that, I can't do that because I've got to do that instead of it, instead of it. Like, that, that's the process of my brain, I think. Really. That's okay, there's plenty of time to figure out what needs to be done next. <laughs> Okay, um, number seven is if you had to watch one film or one TV show for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh my God, uh, one film or one TV show? Um, the rest of, oh no, there are so many good shows. That's um, always the question. <laughs> oh, um, maybe, maybe Pose, because there's so much going on. There's just so much that I feel like I would find something new every time whilst mm -hmm. watching and it's not over yet so it's still still going. It's There's still, still some coming. There's some stuff to go. Um, yeah so maybe maybe that. Oh and film wise it'd probably be something like random and like I'd probably end up being like Lara Croft or something <laughs> like something I don't have to think about my brain is not really engaged I'm just enjoying all the madness going on yeah to be um, fair if I had to watch one film for the rest of my life it would probably be The Mummy just because I know it inside and not the yeah. Tom Cruise one like the original one like oh, yeah. I can sit there the amazing yeah like I could sit there and probably recite it back to front so I wouldn't really mind but yeah I hear, I hear you okay number eight is one place you would love to work in Um, I'd love to work in the globe. I just, I don't know, like ever since the, my first time there, I was just awed. I was like, wow, I feel like I have gone back in time. It's yeah. Amazing. And then I saw like, I don't know, I feel like sometimes the globe shows can be absolutely amazing, like blow my freaking mind. And then sometimes I'm just like, oh, that was okay. But even though it was like, okay, I've still just enjoyed the atmosphere. Yeah. Like be, being there. So yeah, I just, I just love to be on the stage of the globe. Like, yeah, something like Amelia or, um, you know, when Hugo and Bathe Raw did Mel Gwynn, I was just like, yes, yes, I want to do that. 
I can't. Oh, I can imagine that Amelia in the Globe is like. Oh, it's, that was so good. And the end speech, like everyone was like, "Yeah, yeah!" <laughs> Feel everyone like gearing up. Even though, like, I remember and it, and everyone was like, "Come on, yeah!" <laughs> like in your seat, like, "Yeah!" <laughs> like your whole body's vibrating, and you're like ready to lift up and like just go for it. It was yeah, Love loved it. Show. Okay, and then number nine is describe yourself in three words. Um, bubbly, um, industrious, ambitious. Yeah. yeah. I see all those things in you. <laughs> Definitely bubbly. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm usually bubbly, but then there are days where I'm just like, oh, I can't today. <laughs> Just staring at a wall like, this is all your game for me today. <laughs> yeah. this, this is all, this is all the plan. This is just, just lie on my bed and look at the wall. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. If it helps, it helps, you know? True. This is very true. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to get in to the nitty gritty. Um, yeah. I don't know what that was. That was weird. Um, so what made you want to go into acting? So, okay, there are two. I kind of already mentioned one actually. Um, but so the first one is Lara Croft. I'm not even joking. I saw it when I must have been like 11 or 12 or something. And I was such a tomboy at the time, like a ridiculous tomboy. Like you would never get me even in jeans, like bring a skirt or anything flowery or anything pink near me. It was no. And like, I just really... I don't know, I just really responded to her as a character being able to, like, I did taekwondo and I, like, rode horses. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's me! I was, I was like, I'm there, this is amazing! do that? <laughs> like, this is so cool. And then I watched, they, 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 they did, like, a, not a documentary, but, like, the thing, like, they had, like, mini documentaries after the DVD and stuff. And I watched it and, like, she was being taught how to, like, shoot and ride side saddle. And I was like... That's an amazing job. <laughs> and I was going to get to fly to Cambodia and I was like, yeah, it's old. Like, I love it. I don't, like, what else am I going to do with my life? And because I don't think I'd ever really seen, like, someone as tomboyish as me on screen. Like, I didn't have that representation. And at the time, like, I didn't know who Angelina Jolie was because I was so young. And I thought she was mixed race because she has, you know, she's got quite big lips. She's got... um quite olive tone features so I thought she was also mixed race at the time I was just like I just, I just want to be this person so that was like that's one of one of the things and then the other one I did his dark materials when I was 16 mm -hmm. 16 15 or 16 and I auditioned for it just thinking like I probably wouldn't get anywhere because I'd never actually got into any of my school plays or anything I just didn't think anything could happen so I just went in and just like did the auditions and I kept getting called back and I was like, oh, maybe I'm good at this. This is, this is happening. Whilst I didn't get the part, I got, I got to be um, the understudy. And I was like, oh, I, I am good at this. And um, the people, the directors, there were two directors, um, Adele Al-Saloom and Trina Hadler. And they just had so much confidence in me. And I guess that gave me more confidence. And I just, I fell in love with being in the theater like I felt like I already loved his dark materials already and it was a book that I was in love with regardless of even having to be in the show 
but we had so many conversations about the meanings of both the book and how that would translate to the show mm-hmm. and I found myself in a space where I got to voice my opinion and talk about things that were close to me and then try and act them out and it, it for me it just felt amazing it was like a totally new way of looking at acting for me yeah and yeah from that from then I knew that that was it because before I'd been like oh maybe I'll be a doctor and I was like started my A-levels and stuff with like all sciences I just couldn't do it because after you took the acting out like nothing else felt good anymore like I had to be acting alongside something else otherwise everything was just mundane yeah yeah and the final one I did I saw Lion King when I was seven I was like, I want to do that. But that was like the first, that was just like a little glimmer. Like they're like, ooh, like, ooh, what is this? Like, what is this? That looks fun. I want to be Simba. I want to be singing and being like chased by a parrot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so random now. But I just remember like, that was like the first little minuscule ignition. And then Laura Croft was like, oh, that's it. And yeah. then having it, I don't know, being told you basically being told you're good because you've got this far in the process of um Shazam 2 it was just like sealed it up for me yeah that kind of like just the, the affirmation that like there is something there yeah I'm not just like delusional like I haven't got into all these productions probably because of how I look because I'm a mixed race person and I'm surrounded by white people <laughs> <laughs> you know like and I just don't think they, they've thought about that I could tell those stories. Mm-hmm. Is what I, like, when I look back on it, that's, that's how I see it. And it might not be the case. I may have just been absolutely awful in those auditions. But I don't think I was. <laughs> like, I'd like to make it clear that I don't think I was awful, yeah. So <laughs> had you ever done any, like, classes and stuff before? Um, or was it just kind of like you saw that and you were like, ooh. I think I started, like, when I was seven, I did what what used to be the Haymarket Theatre in Leicester. My mum sent me to classes, but I was painfully shy. Mm-hmm. Like, I was all, like, if there was a break, I was always on my own. I never put my hand up for anything. Like, even in just, like, casual classes at school, like, I was quiet. I, like, I just couldn't say anything, didn't want to put my hand up, was basically terrified to, like, say or do anything outside the normal box, I guess. And so the original reason, I think because she saw that I enjoyed The Lion King, she thought, oh, I'm going to send her to these classes so that she can like, grow and actually speak and not just be in the corner, like looking and watching at everyone. But even so, like when I was doing that, I was literally every break I was on my own in the corner with like my yogurt. <laughs> like, yeah. It was really, it was really sad. Um, <laughs> but but I don't know, somewhere along the line, it must have like clicked in because I'm not painfully shy now. <laughs> so something happened along the way. Something always clicks and then you're like, you've unleashed the beast now, that's it. <laughs> and I guess it must have happened, yeah, around, I, I was 13 and I, this is one show I did actually get in at my school, in my high school. I ended up um, playing Ariel, which then ended up actually going to Melton Theatre. Mm-hmm. So I ended up playing Ariel and I was like, oh this is this is interesting and like I was I think I was shy before then and that gave me like a little bit of confidence to be like oh yeah like I don't think I'm like I was not not a particularly good actor 
at that point. I was just like, I was very much learning and like figuring it out, but I realized like, I could make choices and it wasn't just the director or whatever, like, yeah. it wasn't just um, So yeah, may maybe, maybe that, I think that's probably when I started to be less like insular and like shy, maybe. <laughs> just kind of like coming out a little bit, like, mm. like coming out of my shell just a little bit like oh there's a world out there <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of like your acting journey so obviously like we met identity yeah. so what led like what led you into like joining identity like how have you found it since identity that sort of thing what led me um i think so i'd done my drama degree and i was like out in the world i was like i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> don't know what I'm doing um and it, it was just a, it's just that odd space when you get out into the world and you're like well I've, I've I've done my degree what do I do now like my degree is in drama who's who's employing me <laughs> and that moment when you suddenly realize your parents might have been right <laughs> it's that moment where you're like uh where you rethink all the decisions you made that made you decide and I was like in that space and then I did a class called the actors class and it was just full of white people. Every, every single person was white except for me. And even though the teaching was good, I just felt very on the outside. Um, yeah, just very, very on the outside of everything, even in those classes. And I was like, where can I go? What can I do? Mm. Who could, like, and then, yeah, I think, I think I had a friend who went to identity at some point. So it was like, I'd heard of it, but I didn't really know anything about it. And so, yeah, I just, it just somehow popped up. It might have been like one of those Facebook ads or something. And I was like, yeah. oh, I might as well try that out. And I saw who'd been there and I was like, oh, that's interesting. There are people who are, you know, doing something in the industry. And, you know, Femi's like got IAG and it, this almost sold as a multicultural, very black product, I suppose, IAG as an agency. And I was like, well, let's try there yeah. and what i did really enjoy was the inclusion at identity like i i hadn't had that much inclusion in a group since like i can't even remember not my not my university not any of my schools because if there was diversity it was mainly people from south asian backgrounds mm. wasn't anyone black i think there were like maybe two or three people in my high school who were one who was mixed race and two who were black. So it was like, I didn't have any of that, like growing up, even through going through university, there weren't many black people yeah. in my either. And so like, I just felt for the first time, I was like, oh, this is really nice. There are people who look like, like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and I think that, that that's how I kind of find my way into it and how I, like, I think I say for like two and a half years or something. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, that's what led me to identity. And then, yeah, and then that, my final semester identity, or the one before that, I think I I'd already auditioned for Drama Centre, like, the, the year I was leaving university, and I didn't get in. And it was frustrating because I'd, like, tried so hard, and I was like, oh. But, um, yeah, so that also led me to going to identity. Um, but yeah, then I auditioned again and I didn't think I was going to get in because I hadn't before. But I was like, I'm really going to just go for it and I'm going to try my best. 
and like I'd been hearing like almost everyone I knew at that point who'd ever got into a drama school had had some form of private tuition and I couldn't afford that I just couldn't afford it so I was like what do I do and so I literally asked everyone who would help like I asked a director who I'd worked with would you look at my speeches I asked like just anyone who I knew who like had some some experience if they would help like, look at my speeches and so I did get go and I got in to drama center and I was like I was like thrilled but I got I had two uh, two auditions like the first one then the recall and then the the head of MA acting called me and was like I want to call you in for another audition and I was like oh my god I haven't done enough yet what what how do I do now <laughs> um and she said I need you to bring a new speech maybe bring me um Juliet from Romeo Juliet and I was like I've never seen myself as Juliet and I was like I would love to play that someday but if I can't see myself right now and I've never really seen it on tv tv or like theatre she's probably not actually going to believe it um yeah. so I picked the jailer's daughter from is it two noble kingsmen and like I didn't have any time to see anyone with that it was literally like four days I had before she wanted to see me again and I was like I have to do it in these days I can't postpone because there might be another mixed race person who goes in there and like just does it and that's the mixed race person they're going to pick. It's a really sad way of thinking about things, yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, because, I mean, drum schools are just not as diverse as they should be. In the end, my year was not particularly diverse, but more diverse than most drama schools that I'd seen other than Mount View. But yeah, I went in and I did the Two Noble Kingsmen, and she said, I've never seen anyone do it that way before. And in my head, I was like, well, snap. Is that bad? Like in or a good it... way or a bad way? <laughs> but then I think it was literally a day. It was going to identity. I was sitting in the cafe that we all um, sit in. Um, yeah. In Brixton. Before go going to identity. And I was like there an hour early because I'd come from work and I didn't want to do with the traffic. And she called. And I was like, I didn't recognise the number. But there was like a good feeling. You know, you're like, like, I don't know this, but like, I should answer it. <laughs> And I just, just answered and I was like, hello? She was like, hello, it's Georgina. I was like, oh, hello, Georgina. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. It's so cool. And like, I was already getting excited. And she was like, so after your audition the other day, um, I've had to think about it and I really like what you did. So I'd like to offer you a place. You don't have to accept it now. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. I'll take it. I'm going. And Drama Centre was like the top of like my list of places I wanted to go to, like for an MA because it had the best MA. And it was like, it was just, yeah, that moment was, it was just so good. And because I felt like I'd worked so hard to get there. Yeah. And all this other stuff. And especially with representation, I was like, oh my God, I was the best mixed race person that year or whatever. And, um, but then, like, yeah, as I said, there were two black girls in my year. There was me, mixed race. Um, there was a guy who was half, um, half Sri Lankan. There was another black guy. Um, that's a little story, though. But a bigger, bigger issue. Um, but, and there was a girl from China as well. And one of the black girls was from Trinidad and Tobago. 
So it was a fairly, in terms of like what you tend to see, which is like one black person or maybe two mm. black people, two people from different different diversities. It's it was good, but there were twenty of us. So and that five of those people were from Oxbridge. So you know, how did you find like drama school? Because like I've always wanted to go and just never like never got in before like uni like proper yeah. uni and then like now afterwards I'm kind of like I can't afford it like that sort of thing so how did you find the training because obviously it's intense because I mean it's an MA oh and gosh, drama so sort all rolled into one yeah I mean before the course they did tell us just say goodbye to your friends because you're not going to see them for a year and I was like <laughs> I was like okay it's going to be intense but I didn't really think about it. I was like, oh, it'd be fine. Like, I'll probably see people, like, whenever. It'd still be okay. But really, it was, like, most of the time, six days a week, five of those days being, like, 12-hour days. It was just so intense, like, mm. and training and grueling and um, so, much going, so much going on within our cohort and so much white privilege. So, <laughs> like, so much of it, like, herding microaggressions, like, every day. <laughs> And so, this is hard enough ways, as it is. Yeah. So in some ways, it was like amazing because I'd finally got to where I thought I was supposed to be, and I did get like a lot of teaching, a lot of learning. Um, what um, Georgina, who ran the course, like brought in an extra teacher because there were like there was no diversity in the teaching staff either, and she brought in a teacher called AJ. She actually was just in oh, what was the show, the Jamie Lloyd show, Serrano de Beric. Mm-hmm. And she played the main um, the main female character. Um, but she brought her in to do a Shakespeare class with us, and that was that was just because she wanted to bring in some extra extra well, non-whiteness to the course. And so, like on Tuesdays at eight o'clock, we would be going to AJ's class. So it was literally like all the time, constant. Yeah. And I mean, there were some amazing things, but I also felt like I was doing a lot of teaching. Um, to my own peers like who didn't know about August Wilson or you know didn't didn't know about like some really key black playwrights like yes. didn't know, like most of them didn't know about Debbie Green, and I felt like even though I was supposed to be learning I was doing a lot of teaching too and even for the teachers because I think they also come from like these insular backgrounds of privilege not all of them but some of them and so it it was an interesting experience. I got a lot from it, but I also know that I could have got more from it. Right. Sense. Okay. And uh, yeah, after showcase, um, I did get an agent, which is good. Going okay. We're doing. We're we're all in a slump at the moment. So like yeah, but that's where we're at. It's picking up a little bit, but it's also not quite the same, is it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah seeing how it's going we're figuring it out we're figuring it out so obviously like you said we are in a bit of a low like a little bit of a dip in acting wise so i ask like do you have any other things that you do alongside like directing writing obviously that's in bits and bobs that you do but like what have you done other than acting just so much in my life in terms of like related to acting I've done um I, I write I wrote a play whilst I was in Berkeley um which I've gone back to a few times but I'm at that point now where, where I'm like this is never going to be the play I want it to be it's just not going to be 
and I don't know if that's the version of the self I want to put out in the world so I've like shoved it aside mm. and I started writing another play at the start of lockdown when I thought it was going to be like two weeks or like a month or like you know something and then we all go back to our normal lives we were so optimistic <laughs> how little we knew <laughs> I started writing that and then when all the news came in about like we're never not going to be back in theatres till like 2021 I was like okay I'm just going to leave you because I can't my brain won't focus on that at the moment it's, yeah it's too raw um and so I've been like writing short stories um I did write a short play as well but like there's just so much, so much going on that one day I can be like furiously writing, and then the next I'm just like, the news is overwhelming. Oh my god, yeah. can't focus. Brain is just not in, in it. So I've been like going through those motions. Um, I also paint as well, which I've got back to also over this time. Like when my brain really good at. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, just, I don't know, I'm, I was one of those people at school who was pretty much good at everything in like that way you hate people for, like why are they good at everything? But I think um, it made it hard to make any choices in life. Yeah, yeah. So I have like, yeah, a decent amount of strings to the, to the bow, whatever the saying is. Um, That's but, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, my main one is acting. And I've tried a bit of like filming and stuff and editing. I know, no, I'm not the best at it, but I know also that I haven't had much practice or stuff like that. So it's just yeah. finding out actually how you even do this. Um, but I am in definite awe of people like um, directors, film editors, um, directors of photography, sound mixers, all of those people. What I'm they like, do. Yeah, it's wild. Because, like, honestly, I try to edit things that aren't, like, what, like, five minutes long. And I'm just... <laughs> My brain is expanding. It won't do what I want it to do. And I didn't realise also how much noise a mic picks up. And how hard it's... it's how, how do you get rid of that noise with, with, without taking away, away the actual speech? It's so difficult. Okay. Yeah, we've got, we've got to praise them. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. You realise that a lot of things are nothing without everyone else involved. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They are. They're just. They're just never like they really polish everything. So they can make a turd look like something amazing. You know, <laughs> can shine it so it looks like gold. You know. <laughs> um, so yeah, totally in awe. I have done some directing as well, um, which I actually enjoy. But I'm also like directing is just as hard as being an actor, so I might as well focus on acting. <laughs> I do the one I really enjoy. Yeah, I'll do the one where I'm like, this is the thing that I do. Like, I call myself an actor. So I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to stick to this one. So at yeah. least I know what I'm doing. Maybe in like 10 years time or whatever, when I've actually done more acting, I can be like, okay, what can I actually direct? Yeah. Unless someone just like, you know, it's like, Stiana, you, you, you're an actor, you train, do you want to do, you want to direct this show? Like, if that happened, I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah, but, sure. Um, but in terms of know. what I'm actively pursuing, yeah, definitely acting. Acting is the one. Yes. But yeah, once you get the bug, I think that's, you just have to admit defeat, don't you, really? <laughs> yeah, you really do. And it's literally like so many people, like even now, even after doing a master's, still tell me, 
you know, you could do something where you actually, you know, get money. You're bright enough to do this. You're clever enough to do that. And it's like, well, actors do have to be clever as well. Like, yeah, I was like, what do you think I've been training for? Not just robots. And like, I, I sometimes dream about this fantasy world where I never knew acting existed. And I'm like living by a lake in Canada with my husky and like going by <laughs> I'd have money. <laughs> And have money, yeah, but like that's like some weird, like totally other world dream. And like that, that would be me if I ever retire, which I don't think I ever would if I was still being allowed to act. Like, yeah, just doesn't seem like a thing. So, I mean, that's I think most actors can relate to that. Like, no matter, like, obviously, all the other stuff looks really nice. I mean, you see your friends like out doing stuff, you are a bit like, oh, yeah, oh, I could. <laughs> And then you try, you try having like a normal job for a little while and you're like, I don't like it. All the normal jobs, I felt like I'm selling my soul. Like for real, I felt like, what am I doing here? Like what? Like just uh, literally any of them, even if in some way I enjoy them, I know I'm not, I'm not doing what I'm here for. Not a hundred percent there. Yeah. Not a hundred percent there and not being a hundred percent there for me is like, why, 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 why bother? Like my, my dad, my dad passed away when I was, it was just before my 19th birthday. And it, it made me suddenly realize like, God, we only do have one life and you just got to get on with it. Yeah. And do it. Um, and if I did, if I had never taken the risk just to try and do it, I would, I'd be in like that normal job and still thinking about this. So. Yeah. So, like, talking about, like, taking the risks and stuff in terms of acting and doing, like, what you want, what are, like, the biggest lessons you've learned, like, over your career so far? Um, there are there there definitely going to be a few, but um, the grass is not always greener. It's not. Um, I always wanted to go to drama school, mm-hmm. and I'm glad I did go, but it wasn't the experience I thought it was going to be. Right. I also like I thought like I'd go to drama school and meet my people or whatever but I actually met my people at identity more than I did at you know drama school um so yeah the grass isn't always greener um definitely also you're allowed to say no to things I've only realized that recently especially during this COVID and lockdown you're allowed to say no it's okay to say no you're not you're not gonna miss something big if you say no um I still have to say no just to protect yourself like yeah, mentally absolutely and I do have to remind myself because I'm one of those people who's like yes 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 um but I have I have to say like in my head you're allowed to not do this like that's okay um so that and that's that's like a lesson that I'm continuously going through and continuously learning from um and sometimes I'm offered something and I say no because in my heart I know I wouldn't enjoy it mm-hmm. and like I see someone else do it and I'm like I could have been doing that that actually looks kind of good but you're allowed to it, it's okay to have those moments as well um yeah. that is definitely one of like my my biggest things it's, it's good to say yes but equally no no is allowed um, and no without explaining yourself as well absolutely just say it with your chest say no 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 explanation needed um but yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, 
that that's one of the biggest ones. I think as well, you're allowed to sit and think about things. It doesn't have to be now, this minute, um, which is similar to the no or the yes. But um, there have been things that if I thought about it a bit more, I've done it differently or, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. And just things don't always happen when you want them to happen. Um, I feel like what was my, like, by, when I was a kid, by 25, I thought I was gonna, you know, have got that TV show or got that movie or, you know, <laughs> done a lot more than I have so far. Or like, and like, have that person that I may be thinking of marrying, like, own a house. Like, those are the yeah. things I thought, like, when I was younger. And as it got closer to that mark of like 25, I was like, we're nowhere near there. Isn't it so funny? Like, if I could go back and, like, little Kanisha, like, oh, honey. Honey, honey, honey. <laughs> it's just like that. It's like you didn't know. And you, it's, it's hard because you do look at the media and, like, there are people who are younger than you or, you know, the same age as you. Who, there are a couple who even look like me now who mm -hmm. are more and, like, who've got, got, got the lifestyle I thought I would have when I was younger. And I'm like, you know, that's good for them. They are doing their journey. They've, you know, been in the right rooms and they've... Mm -hmm. Got, they've had both the talent and the look at the right time but like that's not your journey and your journey yeah like I always think of oh what's her name oh my gosh Dame Judy Gents I always mm -hmm. think of Dame Judy Gents because she applied for drama school seven times I didn't get in and now look at her now she's got this <laughs> flourishing career like she probably had friends who got into drama schools like the first time round, but maybe did like a few shows, a few yeah. you know, TV things or whatever, and then like things died down. But she's had like such a long career and it has so much longevity. And I always think like, it doesn't matter when it happens. It's like, as long as it does happen. Yeah. And if you keep working at it, it's, it's, it's hopefully going to, like you can't, you can't say it definitely is, but. But as long as you don't stop working yeah. towards it. Just keep working towards it and hopefully eventually whatever you want is going to be happening. It might not even look how you wanted it to look. Yeah, you and I think that's, that's one of the things I've been learning as well. It's like, it will happen eventually and like no matter how much you plan in your head, it's never going to look the way exactly. you think it's going to. So just accept it. Yeah, just accept. I'm like, and it's like, just accept the journey and accept the new things you're learning and and love the people you're meeting and enjoy just the process because you if you're always thinking ahead you're always like you both have to think ahead because you want you want to have that dream you want to manifest it mm -hmm. if you're just only doing that you don't get to enjoy what you're actually doing in the moment and mm -hmm. like I, I did a film where I knew I was like oh this film might lead to the next thing and I wasn't just enjoying the fact that I was doing film and that I was doing something that I loved. Yeah. I wasn't fully focused on that. And that's what I should have been, like, that's where I should have been. That's where my head should have been at. And so, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, plan and dream, but also remain in the moment. So, <laughs> sounds really philosophical. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and, like, I but, I know we were just talking about staying in the moment, but I just we wanted to like kind of ask like where do you think, especially with everything that's going on now, where do you think the industry will be in like the next 
three to five years like where do you think we'd have learned anything or sure as heck hope so (laughs) um so i like before this bailout came in i was very worried because (laughs) what sells and what we know sells is white stories written by white people with white cis men that sells they know it sells it sells very easily people with money who look like these cis white men will pay to go and see it they'll pay to give the producer the money they will give that money and they had those resources because they have the wealth and they have loads of the wealth. um and i was very worried that when we went back in 2021 when things actually start you know properly going again that it was just going to be loads of white faces loads of white people paying to see stuff and that kind of terrified me because even though we haven't come all the way we've made steps towards the right direction yeah in my head i was like seeing all of that just like rounding to dust and like disappearing over this you know time period especially a time period that is affecting people who are black who are you know minorities or people of color affects them the most and yeah i was just like just couldn't see how those voices would still be, how, would still have the light shone upon them if we ended up being at the other side with literally no money and no means because the only people who are going to give are the white people with a lot of money. And maybe a few people from other backgrounds mm-hmm. do have some money, but they are but also few and far between. Um, so that was my like biggest worry. Now that we've got this buyout, now I'm like, okay, where are they spending it? What are they going to spend it on? Hopefully they'll spend it on smaller theatre companies. Hopefully they'll spend it on theatre companies who have always been actively looking to diversify. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, if that's the outcome, if people keep giving, if people's white guilt allows them to give to companies that produce things that are not just for them, not just for people who look like them, not just to see themselves reflected back, then I feel, hopefully, in five years' time, we may not have, like, flooded every area, but hopefully there'll be more producers. Hopefully there'll be more directors. Hopefully there'll be more artistic directors who reflect the world we actually live in and the world we see every day rather than going into the one we see on screen. And hopefully that means that there'll be, you know, a much more diversified theatre landscape, cinema landscape, TV landscape, and hopefully that's also going to be in other areas, but in terms of, yeah, the acting world. That's my hope, and I don't even imagine in three to five years we'd have done all the work. There'll be still loads of work to do. Yeah. Still, be, you know, loads of things for every, everyone to learn. Um, but hopefully... In three to five years, there'll be a lot more diversity, especially with BLM now. I think so. The civil right, when the civil rights movement happened in America, it was because black people were were the most at risk, the most, you know, downgraded, and still now. But when the actual civil rights movement and they signed signed, you know, treaties and laws, it was because black people had made that step, had done the work, and it meant everybody else could come with them. Um, and I think because right now we're shining, shining the light on Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. that will bring everyone else along. And hopefully, we, we like 
if you look at the protests, you see the allies, the people who are supporting this. They are of every colour and creed, and maybe not all from like the most varied backgrounds all the time. It's usually people who aren't so rich and wealthy. But there are people out there who are rich and wealthy, who are in favour, who are supporting, and who are going out there and fighting, and who are speaking in allyship. And yeah, hopefully when things, as things go forward, it brings everyone forward and it makes everyone equal and everyone in equity. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be a lot further along the way in three to five years time. But yeah, this is ongoing. It's not going to stop. Like the dismantlement of white supremacy is need to be done at every layer of every part of culture in every school before we actually see real change. Mm-hmm. And that change might not be till my grandchild's generation, you know? Yeah. Which is a sad thing to think. Like, like I don't want to have to wait until my grandchild's like, yeah, we're finally like... We're finally all equal! Like, we're finally okay! It's like, but, like, it's just, yeah, but obviously it's a process that we're going to have to keep working at. Yeah, it's a process people have been working at for years already, like decades. And like after the civil rights movement, I mean, things changed, but we, you know, but, but all of this that we're talking about at the moment, like things have changed, things changed, but they didn't really change or they changed, but they got worse in different ways. Or I often talk about the difference between not the, all the difference, but the difference between American racism and British racism. American racism is very overt. People will tell you the N-word to your face. They will, will like, have experienced being called a mutt to my face and like other, other things. Um, British racism, occasionally it does appear like that. Occasionally it is overt, but it's often very covert. It's not letting you into the room. It's not allowing people chances. It's, you know, it, it's basically not allowing you it's the glass ceilings and that's also in america as well but the main i think a a huge way it manifests here is is the hiding behind tradition Mm. and the fact that this is like this that that whole thing of this is how we've always done it and that 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 core needs to also be dismantled so yeah true it's true so if we ever well we hope we're going to get to a point where it is like a level playing field and like everything is diverse and everything. Is there like one person that you would love to work with? One person? Oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if there's just one. Okay. We'll let you have a few. Go on. <laughs> have a few. Because like, it depends as well. Like I would love to work with Spike Lee because I just freaking love, like I love how political his films are. I love that they, they like go head on and they dive like they drive the message home but they're also fun like you can laugh at his films like and the way he like you're gonna learn something yeah and the way he edits is like amazing i'm just i i do love his films and sometimes i like i do think they're very long i watched malcolm x again the other day and i was like i forgot how long this thing was (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i'd love to work with him like um movie wise um and also Steve McQueen, because he's, he is championing voices. Like 
they just did which is like loads of little loads of films i think loads of short films mm -hmm. or all long films don't know yet but um like he's championing people and people's stories and often i think black stories are portrayed in quite a stereotypical way um and i have hope that these stories won't be and that these stories you know show more care show more love show more i think like just the versatility of being black yeah versatility of being black and you know being out in the world as you know you know a black person a person of color who has these challenges but also has a life alongside these challenges also gets to really live alongside these challenges and hopefully that's what i hope that we'll see from these small lights movies and yeah he's championing people who some of them you know a bit a biggish names in the industry now but some of them aren't so yeah i'd like to work with stephen queen also love, love most of his films already so there is that <laughs> game 12 years a slave like what what he does is make really compelling stories and i would love to work with that i also kind of want to work with um lynette linton yeah artistic director at the bush right now um but i saw chiaroscuro before all of this covered things started um, and it just had a lot of heart and i really enjoyed that and i saw her sweat at the donmore and she really created this this atmosphere of world which i'm doing this wavy thing with my hands <laughs> um yeah created created this world and i love that and yale faber as well um saw um Le Blanc a few years ago at the national and it was just on on their youtube, oh, on YouTube yeah, yeah. yeah and we saw her the cruise the crucible at the old vic and she also creates these wonderful worlds and she uses smoke as like another character like it's another character in the story and i'm just obsessed with the way she directs so yeah and then, and then there's, a, there's a little part of me that's like in a Quentin Tarantino film, <laughs> even though I think there's a lot of issues with him, <laughs> but like I just love like the madness. I and I think it harks back to like the child in me who loved to horse ride, who loved to um, do martial arts. Like it harks back to that person <laughs> inside of me. Yeah. Like, I just want to go out there watch the blood splatter like the fake blood splatter yeah. <laughs> like a sword or like you know run around doing tricks um it, it harkens to the like all the fun you can have filmmaking like make everything into one film and you're just kind of like you, yeah you're literally like oh 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 what what when what's going on <laughs> and yeah, and I love the, the bright, like, his films are always, like, there's always a colour palette. And I'm yeah. obsessed with colour palettes and things like looking aesthetic, um, like having this, like, strong aesthetic. And so, yeah, I'm just fun. <laughs> and I know you just talked about everyone that you'd love to work with, but if you weren't acting, what would you do? I wasn't acting. What would I be doing right now? <laughs> you see, like, you know, you have daydreams about it. And it, I did have this idea of like, 
living that life in Canada by a lake. Um, but really? Like, I think, would I have become that doctor? Probably not. I would probably found something else again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It might be, this might just me be projecting because I'm in a space of wanting change. But it quite possibly be, be in activism of being, yeah, being in some part of activism, actively asking for change, which is what I would like to do within our industry. But yes. in terms of, yeah. Um, and actually can be both it is yeah true but yeah actively looking for change um out in the world in what I don't I maybe don't know what capacity but that because I I don't know I've been a course rep in every institution I can think of I've been a student governor I've been like all all of those things that you you know relate to people who are trying to do something within like their small sphere yeah propelled me on to you know doing something else with that but you know that's like an alternate reality somewhere in one of that we're not focusing on because we're gonna we're gonna be acting but we yeah that's what we're doing okay yeah i just yeah championing stories by underrepresented voices that's what i want to see okay so our final question just to wrap up is what does success mean to you? Because obviously, especially like in this career as well, like it's very easy to compare yourself to other people and what everyone else is doing. Like the, your parents have been like, come on, like when are you gonna book that job? So it can be hard to like figure out stuff in your own head. But like, yeah, what does success mean to you? It means so so much in like it's different like expressions like in some ways I feel like I have success now I've done certain things where I'm like that was successful you achieved something you did something like you did get into drama school that was that was a small that was like a part of the success and like the the moving forwards and you did write that play and you did write this and whatever like there are those things where I'm like in terms of like where I'm at now those are those are forms of success so when I think of success like the slogan like that's the thing in life that's what you got um I think more about um the the changes hopefully that will happen in this industry um I think about being on stages like the globe like the national theater like going to Broadway with a show like being in a movie with one of those people I've mentioned or like you know, being alongside Viola Davis or something in a movie. I think about those things and I think, would I feel successful then? Maybe that's success. Maybe, may, like, but also equally, I'm like, I would, I would deal with just being able to pay my bills by my acting and live in London. Yeah. Like, on, on a low-key level, that to me, I would be happy with. Like, I would be like, you know, this is, this is what you wanted. You, you got to do the job you love and you got to live in London. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not, you're not doing all the jobs that suck out your soul. You're just doing the job that enriches your soul and enriches like one of the reasons I love acting is because it enriches other people's lives. You get to traverse human experience and human knowledge and 
find out about all these wonderful people who existed or didn't exist or were, were made and you get to reflect it back at other people and in seeing that they learn something new about themselves and just having a person say I learned something from that performance I felt something from that performance that's also success yeah and it doesn't have to be everyone it could be one person it could be literally like I don't know in 10 years time a girl who looks like little Sojourner did, being like, wow, that's cool. I could do that, yeah. And I see you in me and like vice versa and like knowing that that kid has representation that has someone to look up to, like that's also, that's, that's like a form of success. So yes, yeah, so there's like the big dream of like all the stuff going on, but there's also like in reality and what probably no, I won't put any caravats on like where I'm going, but if it is just a place in London that I can pay my bills and stuff with just by acting and not having to do those small jobs, mm -hmm. that's, that's going to be success for me. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, that, that's it. Like, we've, I've interrogated you. <laughs> you have very kindly answered all of my questions. So yeah, is there any, like, do you want to big anything up that you've done or you're doing? Um, everything stopped. I was doing this really cool project um, about the origin stories of women before lockdown hit. And like we were, we were still at the stage of R&Ding and people playing different roles, but I could have been playing like, it would have been, I think on now, could have been playing Eve and this amazing story about, about women and women's empowerment. And I was like so excited, like that's the sort of show I'm like, that's the show I want to do. Like yeah. if you gave me like a list of shows that I want to do or like, you know, that don't even have a name, that's the show. Like which represents feminism, which represents different aspects of femininity and humanness and the world. Like that's part of it for me. Like I want to work on those sort of shows. Um, so I'm not doing that. Um, I did just do a monologue for the Factory Theatre Workshop, which is going to be on their, I think it's on their newsletter. Um, but they're like little things like that. Like, follow me on Instagram, Jenna and Stormaya. <laughs> um, ran random things that I do on there just for fun and just for me. Um, is there anything else? I did want to really briefly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry on. Go for it. Um, so I was thinking the other day about the people, the black people who have won Oscars and who, um, you know, who, who we see represented as achievement, if that makes sense, and success in the industry. And so obviously like the first person who won an Oscar was Hattie McDaniels mm -hmm. for um, The Gone With The Wind, but she played the part of Mammy, which is like, you know, looking after the white people, taking care of them being their mammy, which wasn't even allowed in the auditorium. But like, that's, that's the first thing. That's the first thing we got. Um, and then literally since then, Halle Berry is still the only black person who has won an Oscar for best actress. Like, still. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is crazy. And she won as Letitia Musgrave in um, Monsters Ball. And she was amazing in it. 
and yeah, it's still a story about black disempowerment, black disfranchisement, a woman losing her child. Like, it's still on this level of stereotype. Mm-hmm. And I like, look at the list of the people who have won for Best Supporting Actress, and I'm like, wow, everything seems to be a stereotype. Whoopi Goldberg in Ghost, Jennifer Hudson in Dreamgirls, Monique in Precious, Lupita Nyong'o in 12 Years a Slave, Viola Davis in Fences, like Regina King if Beale Street could talk. Those are all of them. And they are all about majority black women being crushed by the system. And that disappoints me and upsets me. That's what we got up until now. And I want to see stories about women's success, about them not looking after white people. I want to see women on my screen, black women, doing something more than just looking after someone else and being the, being the repressed, being the crushed. I look, I, and they're amazing actresses mm-hmm. and they were amazing performances. But I want to see better. I want to see the industry do better. Speak it. <laughs> Sorry, that's <laughs> Because you're making excellent points. Like we have other stories other than pain and suffering and serving others. So why can't we see that and be rewarded for that? Be rewarded for doing something that isn't just for another person. And black actors, black male actors do get that. And it's still, the representation isn't great, but they get that and the women don't. I don't have anything else to say. (laughs) I think you put it perfectly. So that's it. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the Dome Way Up. Um, Yeah, as she said, follow her. It's Jenna underscore Mayer. Is that right? Yeah. That's right. She's amazing. She's funny. She's great. She's talented. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me ramble. It's so odd to just be the one mainly talking whilst like I'm not having like a complete two-way conversation because there are loads of questions that I'm answering and I don't get to ask them back. But I am going to get to ask them back at some point because I will. It's fine. It's fine. We can we can do question time another time. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. You have been listening to the Don't Wake Up podcast with me, Kanisha. And uh, thank you for listening and we will see you on the next one.